Chapter 13 Legal System All rights in the world have been won. Every important law has to be wrestled from those who opposed it, and every rule requires a constant willingness to uphold it. Rudolf von Gehring, Legal Scholar The justice system serves to order and shape human coexistence, to resolve conflicts by means of a regulated procedure, and to protect the individual from assaults by other persons or the state. Equality before the law, the binding of rulers to the law, and the settlement of disputes by independent courts binding on everyone are among the greatest achievements of civilization. The importance of the legal system for our coexistence is generally underestimated. In fact, there is hardly anything of greater importance. Whoever has the power to set and change law has essentially complete control over his fellow human beings. Legislative bodies are therefore a magnet for interest groups, lobbyists, and political activists of all kinds in both democratic and non-democratic states. The problems arising from this have not yet been satisfactorily solved. Free private cities must therefore pay particular attention to their legal system in order to create a genuine and lasting competitive advantage. There are numerous projects worldwide for the construction of entire new cities, some of which are also managed by private companies. However, these cities are fully subject to the laws of the state to which they belong. They may have their own rules, but they apply, in addition, to all the state laws, not in their stead. In this respect, they are private cities, but not free private cities. In view of the problems examined in Part 1, there is little to be gained in going this route. A developer of the Korean private city of Songdo reported in a private conversation that the planned construction of a new hospital had already failed because the doctor's union had exercised its right to object. The creators of special economic zones are also increasingly waking up to the realization that the granting of tax and customs relief alone is no longer sufficient to attract investors. This offers no competitive advantage over other special economic zones, nor does it solve the problems of long-term stability and legal security, nor does it meet the needs of qualified individuals for freedom of action and freedom of conscience. The software, in the figurative sense, that is, the design of an attractive legal and regulatory framework that guarantees not only economic but also personal freedoms, is more important than the hardware, that is, the construction of houses, factories, and infrastructure. If the software is right, sooner or later the hardware will follow on its own. Conversely, this is not the case. In this respect, free private cities should allow the greatest possible personal and economic freedom, avoid uncertainty due to changes in the rules, and provide a stable legal framework, the rules of which are based on strict reciprocity and equality without unilateral preference for participants on the basis of ideological considerations. How must the legal system be structured to ensure this? To answer this question, a basic understanding of the various fields of law is required. Three Different Areas of Law The continental European legal tradition distinguishes between public law, private law, and criminal law. 
In the legal systems based on English common law, the distinction is less strict and it is also not mandatory. For a better understanding of our coexistence, however, it is advisable to keep these three areas apart. So basically, we are talking about three different legal systems to which every human being in today's world is subject. Public law deals with the relationship between citizens and the state. Since this is an asymmetrical relationship between a powerful state and a weak subject, special rules have evolved throughout history to prevent arbitrary acts by the government and its administration. The executive branch's commitment to law and order is one of the main characteristics of a constitutional state. Keeping this disentangled from private law is important because in public law there are mandatory rules that cannot be imposed by contract and the state is generally privileged, immunity of public officials, protection against liability and insolvency, the ability to change laws, etc. Private law, however, also known as civil law, regulates the legal relationships between any two private persons, or legal persons such as companies, and is based on the equality of the two parties to the dispute. For thousands of years, principles have emerged in private law which are the same in most legal systems, even in those which only know customary law passed down orally. Even the ancient Babylonian Code of Hammurabi, 1700 BC, differentiated between the treatment of contractual and non-contractual obligations and recognized the rights associated with private property and the formal equality of rights between two disputing parties. All these rules are based on a reasonable and fair balance of interest between the parties and the idea that the same rules should apply to everyone. They followed the idea of contractual freedom or private autonomy, that is, the possibility of contractually excluding or amending most rules of private law if both parties agree. Private law is reciprocity par excellence. Therefore, the principles of private law are much more stable and older than all public laws currently in force. Although the application of a particular private law is now usually ordered by the state, its content is fundamentally independent of the kind of state and the rules of public law that apply in a particular country. On 1 January 1900, the German Civil Code, BGB, came into force in the German Reich under Emperor Wilhelm II. The BGB continued to apply after the abdication of the emperor in the Weimar Republic, retained its validity during the Nazi regime, during the period of occupation after the war, and finally in the Federal Republic of Germany up to the present day. The BGB has thus survived without prejudice to monarchy, democracy, dictatorship, and military administration. Criminal law is actually a special form of public law, but due to its special significance, it has become independent as a separate area of law. Criminal law provides for criminal liability for certain acts. The perpetrators are prosecuted, convicted, and punished by the state and at the expense of the state. In this respect, it is a matter of maintaining public safety and order, not of settlement between victim and offender for which in most legal systems private law is relevant. The victim has a so-called tort claim under private law. Today, this only includes material damages or compensation for pain and suffering, 
and does not extend to further punishment of the perpetrator. Private Administrative Law In a private community, the question arises as to whether public law and criminal law are applicable at all. Because the provider of the free private city and the citizen face each other as equal legal entities, both are contracting parties and conclude a contract under private law, just as one would do with a service provider or insurance company. Mutual obligations are delineated in a clearly defined relationship. For all disputes concerning the interpretation of the contract or in case of poor compliance or failure to comply by one party, principles of private law and conflict resolution mechanisms are applicable. This also applies to cases in which violence is used, for example by the operator's private police force. This is comparable to the security service of a hotel or amusement park expelling of a guest for violation of the house rules. Even temporary imprisonment and other sanctions are possible under private law, for example on a cruise ship or in a boarding school. On the other hand, the person concerned can sue before a civil court and, if necessary, be awarded a claim for future injunctive relief and damages or compensation for pain and suffering. In a free private city, the corresponding powers of the security forces are laid down in the citizen's contract, similar to a police law. Such private administrative law cannot be waived, but applies to all residents. Compare also Chapter 14. In contrast to genuine public law, however, the corresponding regulations are an integral part of the contract and are known to every citizen before signing the contract. They cannot be changed or extended unilaterally by the operator. Therefore, there is, in fact, no need for public law in free private cities. The operator has no legal position which goes beyond that of a service provider and which can be reviewed before ordinary civil courts or arbitration courts. And this can happen at the instigation of each and every single holder of a citizen's contract. This alone significantly improves the legal position of contract citizens of a free private city compared to normal citizens who often already lack the right to sue in matters of public law. Private Criminal Law There is also the idea of foregoing criminal law altogether in contractually based social orders and of compensating all violations of the law solely by way of damages under private law. The victim would receive financial compensation from the offender. In the event of death, the beneficiaries would be the victim's family or heirs. This approach has roots in ancient tradition and is certainly a good solution in many cases. However, the citizens of the free private city have an understandable interest in no longer tolerating such perpetrators in their vicinity, especially in the case of serious criminal acts. Therefore, it could be ordered in the citizen's contract that the contract is terminated without notice when criminal offenses are committed and the person concerned must leave the free private city immediately. This solution has a certain charm, especially since no law enforcement or prison apparatus needs to be set up. However, it also has disadvantages. What happens if the perpetrator cannot pay, especially in the case of serious offenses? How does that give the victim satisfaction? What if rich scallywags from other countries commit crimes for fun in the free private city? 
They could easily pay the compensation, and the expulsion from the free private city would not deter them as visitors anyway. What about criminals who, contrary to a ban, keep returning to the free private city, for example, to commit burglaries there? How do you deal with organized crime that intimidates witnesses and victims in order to avoid paying compensation? All this suggests that at least some actions should be qualified as criminal offenses which are automatically prosecuted by the operator or its security forces and, in addition to compensation for the victims, are punishable by prison sentences, for example in the area of serious physical injury, death, or rape. Nonetheless, the citizen's contract should include termination of the contract in cases of the commission of serious crimes, and the operator should make robust use of the termination clause. To cover the prison costs, the convicted must do community service and leave the city after serving their sentence. The free private city could make use of existing criminal law, including the criminal codes, and simply take out victimless crimes such as blasphemy or adultery, as well as offenses such as hate speech or incitement of the people. Insult and libel offenses can also be completely settled through private law, injunctive relief, compensation for pain and suffering. Since the free private city is not a subject of international law, the host state should, in any case, have expressly given its consent to turn over criminal law, criminal courts, and enforcement to the private city. In an independent criminal law system, the question of procedure remains. A jury system has no real advantages over a decision by a professional court. It burdens the jurors considerably can be influenced easily by professional lawyers, and interferes significantly in the normal daily routine of the jurors. The problem of the current Western criminal justice system is the de facto suppression of the victim's perspective and instead the overemphasis on the resocialization of the perpetrator and on mitigating circumstances. The legitimate interest of the victim's satisfaction and the sheer necessity of excluding the offender in order to protect society from repetition could be taken into account by providing, on the one hand, for minimum sentences for each offense which cannot be suspended for probation and for which the sentence, within a predetermined framework, is determined solely by the victim or his family after the court has clarified the question of guilt. Principle of Free Choice of Law and Jurisdiction In principle, free choice of law applies to all civil law matters in the free private city. Citizens and businesses can agree among themselves which legal framework, which rules of procedure, and which arbitration mechanisms they wish to apply in the event of a dispute. This has long been the norm in international trade between companies. There is no reason to deprive sovereign individuals of this right. It may also make sense for the parties concerned to resort to one legal framework for certain matters and to another for others, much the same way we make use of different tools for different jobs around the house. The parties to a lawsuit in the free private city thus enjoy complete freedom to choose a legal system that suits them, for example, the law of Delaware or only parts of it and also any dispute settlement procedure, which may also mean, for example, declaring the courts of other states, for example those of England, competent. 
However, this only works if both parties to the dispute agree. Since agreement will not always be reached, there must be a catch-all framework for private law and disputes. Otherwise, there would be considerable legal uncertainty as to which law and which rules of procedure would apply to the respective dispute. Would it be the law that is mostly applied in the free private city, the law of the host state, or the law of countries whose nationals are the parties to the dispute, which in turn can come from different countries? There are established conflict of laws rules, so-called international private law. However, when applying these rules in practice, it is not predictable and often surprising which law will ultimately apply. It would be better to regulate the applicable legal system more clearly and predictably. To this end, the operator of the private city must clearly define in the citizen's contract which private law system is to apply in cases in which the parties to the dispute cannot or do not want to agree on a legal system. It would be appropriate for him to prescribe the same private law system for contractual disputes between contract citizens and himself. Choice of the private law system Which private law system should a free private city choose? The most important private legal systems worldwide are based either on common law or on written, codified, civil law. Common law, also known as case law, is the law developed by judges, courts, and similar panels in decisions that primarily concern individual cases but also have binding effect for future cases. In cases where the parties disagree on the legal situation, the court reviews previous decisions in similar matters. If a similar dispute has been resolved in the past by court decision, the court is usually obliged to follow the justification used in that earlier decision. However, if the court finds that the current dispute is different from all previous cases and that relevant laws do not exist or are ambiguous, the judges have the power and duty to resolve the problem. Their decision will then set a precedent that will be binding on future courts. Common law systems originated in the Middle Ages in England and spread from there in the colonies of the British Empire. Even today, in England and Wales, in English-speaking Canada, and in most states of the USA, the basic rules on contracts and property are not laid down in legal form, but result from the collected case law. About one-third of the world's population lives in common law systems or mixed systems with a share of common law. Codified civil law systems, on the other hand, originate from continental Europe and have their origin in Roman law, in particular in the composition of Corpus Juris Civilis, which Emperor Justinian initiated in 528 A.D. Their common characteristic is that the basic rules of private law have been systematically written down and have legal force. They serve as the primary legal source for the decision of private law cases. Conceptually, civil law is not based on individual cases, but on abstractions. It formulates general principles according to which all cases can be decided. The purpose of codification is to give all citizens the opportunity to be aware of the legal situation in force which is applied by the courts. Civil law systems are the most widespread systems of private law in the world. They apply in various forms in some 150 countries. There is no consensus as to which system is superior. 
The judicially determined result of disputes is almost always the same in both legal systems. After all, almost all the written legal principles of civil law can be found somewhere in the case law of common law. In civil law systems, the decision is found by deriving a decision from the rules as laid down. In common law systems, it is found by investigating and transferring the decisions of earlier comparable cases. Civil law is more systematic and thus easier for non-lawyers to understand. This is probably the reason why it is more frequently adopted by countries wishing to introduce a new private law. The adoption of foreign private legal systems is not uncommon. For example, the above-mentioned German Civil Code BGB was adopted by Japan, Greece, and Estonia. And in 1986, it also served as the basis for the General Principles of Private Law of the People's Republic of China. At the time of the Free Imperial Cities and the Hanseatic League, many cities adopted the laws of Lübeck or Magdeburg and even used the courts of these cities as a court of appeal. See Chapter 9 above. To avoid legal uncertainty when importing a system of private law, the free private city operator would require a static point of reference, that is, the adoption of a code on a specific cutoff date with a list of the adopted laws to be chosen. If additions are desired, they must be expressly included. The advantage of a static takeover is that you are not dependent on uncertain future legal changes in the country of origin, but can shape your own legal situation from the takeover date onward. Rules of Procedure and Appeal While so-called substantive law deals with the content of claims and objections to them, formal law comprises the rules according to which court or arbitration proceedings are conducted. Once you have decided on a legal system or parts of it, the question arises as to which procedural system and which court structure you want to use. Formal law is intended to ensure fair, reliable, and uniform procedure for all parties involved. It is quite conceivable to use the substantive law of country A in a free private city, but the procedural law of private arbitration organization B. The question of court system and the course of appeal can also be answered quite differently than in the country of origin of the adopted private law. It is part of the service of the city operator to establish courts and or arbitration panels in order to enable the contract citizens to assert their justified claims among themselves in a regulated manner. In order to avoid conflicts of interest, however, it is advisable in cases of disputes between the operator and contract citizens to resort to independent external arbitration courts that are not part of or close to the operator's organization. One such option for those cases is the ad hoc arbitration court. Each party to the dispute appoints an arbitrator, and the two agree on a chairman. Qualified lawyers or former judges or other suitable persons may be considered as arbitrators. The arbitral tribunal shall determine its own rules of procedure. The award shall be made by a majority of votes. In the future, private dispute resolution organizations could also cover the whole range of possible disputes with special proceedings and their own pools of judges or online juries. It can be assumed that these will become more widespread in the not-too-distant future, 
thus facilitating inexpensive, rapid, and reliable legal protection. Such institutions could take over the arbitration of disputes in private cities alongside existing courts or even instead of them if the parties to the dispute do not agree on a different procedure. The city's own system. Even when creating a new, separate legal system, it is advisable to follow proven principles, not only because they have passed the practical test of time, but also because innovative new rules of private law make it unnecessarily difficult to enforce contracts, judgments, and other legal acts abroad. Thus, while the Special Economic Zone Dubai International Financial Center has created its own legal system itself, it has done so on the basis of established common law principles. The Californian law professor Tom W. Bell has, inspired by the programming language Unix, designed a private law system called ULEX, which is open to editing and supplementation by basically any author worldwide so that improved or simply different versions are available. The content is well known. The ULEX 1.1 version practically codifies the traditional principles of common law in the USA, as laid down in the so-called Restatements of Law, a textbook systematization by the American Law Institute. It also contains other proven civil and commercial legal rules from various, mostly U.S. American sources, and also procedural rules, for example, binding arbitration based on the United Nations model. U.S. overseas territories that do not have a common law tradition, such as the American Virgin Islands in the Caribbean, formerly Danish, or the Northern Mariana Islands in the Pacific, formerly Spanish-German, have taken a similar path. Enforcement, Insolvency, Injunctive Relief No court decision under any legal framework is worth anything if it can just be ignored by the losing party to a dispute. It is therefore necessary to clarify how the enforceability of judgments is to be handled. This applies both to arbitral awards made by private arbitration courts and to judgments rendered before the courts of the operator, irrespective of the law governing them. Time and again, it will happen that defendants who have been ordered to pay fail to do so. If they have assets or land within the free private city, enforcement is possible. This requires a bailiff who may well be a self-employed individual, but who also has legal powers to carry out enforcement. The question of the enforceability of arbitration awards and court judgments must therefore be regulated in the citizen's contract. In this respect, the free private city as a contracting company has a number of advantages. It can stipulate in the citizen's contract that arbitration decisions only have legal force if they are transmitted to a central body. In this way, the decisions taken on the various disputes can be collected and made available to the public, anonymized, as precedents. Furthermore, the citizen's contract may stipulate that each citizen must provide an address to which a letter can be sent or an email address to which delivery can take place. Such notification shall also be deemed to have been effected if the citizen has moved without giving his new address. Finally, it may be agreed in the citizen's contract that failure to comply with legally binding arbitral awards will result in termination of the contract. This threat alone should spare the operator numerous enforcement measures. 
Another option is to have every citizen provide a security deposit at the start of the contract from which enforceable titles can be satisfied. Of course, this is an additional burden that not everyone will be able to afford. The use of so-called smart contracts may make court and enforcement proceedings often superfluous, particularly in simple cases. However, sometimes enforcement will be necessary. If the only threat is the termination of the citizen's contract, then various services can be received and collected but not paid for. It is not always possible in business to demand prepayment. The recipient may then remain in possession of a purchased but unpaid item or the beneficiary of a service rendered but not paid for, even if he is expelled from the free private city. The seller ends up empty-handed. However, if the debtor has real estate assets in the free private city, enforcement by seizure and foreclosure is relatively simple. The real possibility of insolvency for companies and private individuals has also proved to be effective in principle. Instead of allowing a person or a company to accumulate increasing liabilities by disguising their own insolvency to the detriment of business partners, a regulated procedure would apply. On the one hand, this protects potential contractual partners from transactions which cannot be paid for. On the other hand, it is an opportunity for the company or the private individual concerned to make a new start free of debt once the proceedings have been successfully completed and the creditors have been satisfied, at least in part. This also requires a defined procedure and a monitoring body. The same applies to provisional legal protection. It may be necessary to have an action that is likely to cause irreversible damage prohibited by a court in advance. For example, the demolition of a house on a plot of land whose ownership is disputed. If the court considers the claim of an affected house inhabitant plausible, it will forbid the demolition by provisional injunction until such a time as the ownership has been clarified. In order to prevent abuse, the court should be authorized to require a correspondingly high security for measures of provisional legal protection. A person who has obtained a temporary injunction which later turns out to be unjustified is obliged to pay damages. Procedural law, including the question of who bears which costs and enforcement and insolvency regulations, can be borrowed from known legal systems or arbitration rules, if necessary, in a simplified form. Registry Matters The keeping of registers and binding registration obligations are advisable, as they enable the acting persons or companies and their property to be clearly identified. This also provides some legal certainty. The free private city will decide whether the register is to be kept in paper form, digitally, or by means of new technology such as the blockchain as a decentralized accounting system after weighing the pros and cons. However, the implementation of new technologies should not be obstructed. The following registers are recommended. Company Registry all companies active in the free private city must register with their business purpose if they wish to operate a business. Individuals with small businesses can be exempted. This serves both to determine the legal form of the enterprise and to block any transactions that may be inadmissible under the citizen's contract. Finally, in the event of a dispute, 
Business partners can thus determine the address and legal form of their counterparty. This register should be publicly, online, accessible. Property Registry This includes all landowners and encumbrances on land, such as land charges or rights of way. It is recommended to make the land acquisitions legally binding only if the seller is entered in the register, but conversely, for reasons of legal certainty, the acquisition should also be considered valid if someone was falsely listed as the owner. The corresponding German-Austrian land register systems, or the Australian Torrens system, have proved their worth. They provide legal certainty and spare extensive title and transfer research, which may have to go back centuries. This register is open to the public or to those who have a legitimate interest, for example, intention to buy. New blockchain-based systems on the issue of land transactions are currently in the prototype stage of development. In the long run, they might disrupt the whole sector. Free private cities have the opportunity to try out new technologies, but should be careful not to frighten away investors with uncertain, innovative concepts in real estate. Population Registry All persons living in the free private city are registered. This is unavoidable in any case, as all residents in the city have a contract and the residence permit must be maintained. In addition, it may also contain a legally binding address so that a potential plaintiff always has an addressee in a legal dispute. This registry, which can also be blockchain-based, should be accessible only to those who have a legitimate interest. Embedding the Law of the Host State There is also the question of the relationship with the law of the host state. Ideally, this will no longer apply in the free private city. Presumably, however, the host state has reserved the continued application of parts of its own law or of international agreements it is a party to. This law has to be absorbed accordingly. The simplest way of specifying these legal sources is in the citizen's contract by expressly making it clear that they take precedence over the agreements in the citizen's contract and the adopted private law, but that their observance is decided exclusively by the courts of the free private city. International Organizations to the extent that the free private city has comprehensive autonomy, it can decide for itself which international agreements and organizations it will join and which not. However, the host state will presumably have reserved the attendant sovereignty rights. That doesn't have to be a disadvantage. On the one hand, membership in international organizations involves considerable financial and human resources. On the other hand, supranational organizations tend to extend their powers inexorably and interfere in the internal affairs of their member states. Where they have their own jurisdiction, this often assumes quasi-legislative powers, thereby jeopardizing the independence of the member states and their legislative bodies. For reasons of legal certainty, it is therefore advisable, as far as enforceable, to agree with the host state on a clause according to which the free private city will be granted a non-applicability clause in future international agreements and memberships.